This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show. Today we're talking about something that surprised me about having a teenager. My very favorite way to get free audiobooks and when I fit in listening to them. I'm going to share with you a book I finished reading recently that I can't stop talking about. Plus, my husband Jesse is going to be joining me again and we'll finish telling you the rest of our love story. I'll close out the show by answering a question about how we make our marriage a priority in the middle of a full season of life. And I've asked Jesse if he'll be willing to join me and we'll both share from our differing perspectives on how we're seeking to make our marriage a priority. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret today. I was really scared of having older kids. For some of you, you're like, wait, you have older kids? I know my kids are only 13, 11, and nine, but bear with me because it felt like forever they were five, two, and zero. So in my mind, it feels like I sort of have older kids because we're out of the diapers and car seat season of life. So I thought it would be really stressful. It felt so much less stressful to have little people to take care of, even if it was exhausting. But when my oldest, Catherine, turned 13 in January, I have to say that it wasn't at all like I thought it would be. In fact, we haven't just survived the last six months. I've discovered that I'm loving this season of having, quote unquote, older children. Sure, they are moody some days. Sometimes they make wrong choices, and yes, sometimes they drive me batty. But don't we all do those same things? None of us are perfect, and when I stopped expecting a ridiculous level of perfection from my kids that, I mean, hello, I can't even live up to myself, 
it opened the door for me to just love them and enjoy them. I love seeing their unique, crazy, and amazing personalities as they are blossoming. I love that they are so different than me in many ways. I love that they teach me new things and they push me outside of my comfort zone. I love learning how to motivate them, and I'm also learning that sometimes they just need me to get out of the way. I love seeing them grow wings and learn to fly, watching them develop close friendships, seeing them excel and learn from failure. I so enjoy our deep conversations and our ridiculous jokes. I love their sarcasm. I love when they make me roll in laughter, and the best part is when I make them laugh. Most of all, I love their hearts for Jesus and others. But on the flip side, I love that they know way more about pop culture than me and are always introducing me to new songs that they will say, Mom, I can't believe you've never heard this before. We have long talks about their futures. I love listening to their dreams and hopes and seeing them become more and more independent. And I love that they still want to hang out with me. We're in such a sweet season right now. I know that things are going to be changing in big ways in our home in the next five years. Catherine will be 18 in five years from now and probably just leaving for college or some other big adventure. So I'm seeking to soak up every moment in my mama heart. So it's time to talk about what's saving my life right now. This is the part of the show where I tell you about a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea I'm implementing, something I've changed in my life that has made a big difference. You get the point. Well, today I'm going to tell you about the Libby app. Yes, that's Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. First off, you need to know that I'm not much of a techie person, which is funny considering I'm a blogger and computers and websites are the backbone of our business and our family's income. I'm thankful for technology, but I have a sort of love-hate relationship with it. You see, I hate upgrading my phone, figuring out new technology, or trying to install a plugin on my website, which for the record, I've actually never done. But I also love the amazing ways it allows me to connect with others around the world and help other people. That said, I only have a handful of apps I use on a regular basis, but one I've fallen in love with is the Libby app. It's a free app that you can download and connect to your local library card, and then you can check out audiobooks for free. This is the best thing ever. Not only does it mean that I'm able to get in more reading, which if you know me well, you know that I am always gonna be excited to get in more reading, but it also means that I never run out of great books to listen to. Best of all, like I said, it's free. That's my favorite price point. You get to keep the audiobooks in your account for 14 days. I find that I can usually listen to most audiobooks in about 10 to 12 days, depending upon the length. Now, let me give you a few tips for Libby. First, I try to pick audiobooks that are no more than eight to nine hours in length because that's a manageable length for me to get through before the audiobook needs to be, quote unquote, returned to the library. I always listen to the books on 1.25 speed. So just sped up a tiny little bit. You can't tell a difference, but it means that you get through the audiobook just a little bit faster. I also recommend that you listen to a sample ahead of time. To be really honest, some of the narrators are amazing and some are just plain annoying. I can't spend eight hours listening to a voice that is just annoying. 
For me, I found that I can fit in audiobook listening at little junctures of my day. For instance, when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm working in the kitchen, making dinner or cleaning, when I'm driving without the kids. And this adds up to about 30 to 60 minutes of audiobook listening time per day. I can easily get through one book in 10 to 12 days this way, so long as it's not a book that's 30 hours long or something. I found that certain genres are best for listening to for me. I especially love great biographies and fiction. I found that nonfiction just isn't as enjoyable or beneficial to listen to. I prefer to read those since I'm more of a visual learner. If you love audiobooks, I'd love to hear your favorite audiobooks because I'm always looking for new ideas. So you can shoot me an email through my website, crystalpain.com, or send me a message on Instagram and tell me. By the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, I'd love for you to join me there. I'm often sharing what books I'm reading in addition to all sorts of fun and maybe a little bit crazy or real behind the scenes peeks at my life. So you can head over to Instagram and search for The Money Saving Mom to follow Follow me. Speaking of books, I can't stop talking about Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. I happened to pick up this book after watching the CrossFit Games, and I was just so inspired by seeing all the athletes that I actually just went on Amazon and searched for CrossFit athletes. This book happened to come up. I read the premise. It sounded interesting, so I bought it. The author Ben Bergeron is a coach to some of the world's most well-known CrossFit athletes. And if you love CrossFit, this book is a must read. But even if you don't care a tiny bit about CrossFit, this book is packed with nuggets of truth. I underlined so many sections that I just want to read one section from page 125. This quote in the book starts actually with a quote from football coach Nick Saban. He says to those he coaches, don't think about winning the SEC championship. Don't think about the national championship. Think about what you need to do in this drill, on this play, in this moment. That's the process. Let's think about what we can do today, the task at hand. And then Ben Bergeron goes on to say, the process is about focusing on the steps to success rather than worrying about the result. It's an ethos that high achievers have in common, and it forms the crux of how I coach my athletes. Katrin, a well-known CrossFit athlete, and I never talk about winning the CrossFit Games. Instead, we focus on creating the right thoughts, habits, and priorities with the belief that those are the things that lead to success. As Bob Knight, the famous basketball coach, used to tell his team, do what has to be done as well as it can be done, then do it that way all the time. There's so much I could say about how this book is impacting me, but I'll just say this. This book has challenged me to see so many areas in my life where I've been settling for mediocrity. And I've been contemplating practical ways I can change my mindset and my daily habits to pursue excellence in all areas of my life, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my home management, in my relationships, in my work, in my writing, in the way I'm leading other women at church and online. I don't have a lot of answers yet, but this is something I'm going to be thinking about and mulling over during the coming months. And I can't recommend this book highly enough. So that was Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. And of course, we'll have a link in the show notes. 
my very first podcast, I brought on Jesse, who is my husband and my partner in every sense of the word in life. And he is going to actually be joining me on a number of episodes, probably about one per month, because I'm really excited to get to have him share his perspective, have you hear from both of us, and have us get to talk about marriage and other things that you oftentimes are asking me that it's just really, I can't talk about on my own. But in that first episode, we talked about meeting when we were nine and 10 and kind of our unconventional way of falling in love. If you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because it gives the backstory for what we're going to be sharing today. So today we're going to be talking about our unconventional courtship and engagement. We left you last time when Jesse had just gone to his dad and asked to court me. And some of you are probably thinking, wait, hold up. What century are we in that you're talking about courtship and he went to his dad to ask to court you? What does that even mean? Well, Jesse, you want to tell them more about that? Well, we decided to, actually our parents decided to have us enter into a courtship model instead of outright dating because they wanted to have more oversight in our relationship and help to help us prepare us to be married. And this was more like we had, we were being raised in this culture of kind of, you know, lots of, everyone was homeschooling and trying to really do things in a different way because they wanted to. It was a kind of in response to bad dating experiences that people had. So our parents just wanted to keep us from the hurts and troubles or trials that might come out of that. And so they decided that courtship was the better way to go. And courtship means it can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. And we discovered very quickly that a lot of people have a lot of definitions for what what the word even means and how mm-hmm. it would play out. Everybody has their own expectations. And so there are people that were looking at our courtship and thought, oh, it's too strict or looking at it and saying, no, it's not strict enough. And so you can't please everybody, but you need to our parents decided that that's what was right for our family at that time. And it was something that was really born out of that homeschool culture. And there were some books that were written on it. And, and so, but we found that it was difficult because we didn't really know what it meant and no one else really knew what it it meant. So we were just trying to figure it out as we went along, but you went to your dad and you asked to court me and then he came to my dad. Right. And they met, and I actually figured out that they were meeting, but I didn't know what they were meeting about. Because remember how you you sent me an email that night? We were emailing about some ministry project we were involved in, and you said your parents were gone? Yeah, well, th- this was like the week after the homeschool convention that we talked about last episode, because you guys had gone on a trip like the next week. And it was at that trip that your, I guess your parents talked about it in... And they kept asking me, they kept saying like, do you really, what do you really think of Jesse? And I thought, why did they keep asking me? They already know. I've already told them, but they kept asking me, but they wouldn't tell me why. And so Mm -hmm. we get home and they were going out to dinner. I think they went out to eat right after they got back. Yes. And it was kind of suspect the way that they set it up. And so I was already kind of, you know, thinking what's going down. And then you were emailing me and you said your parents were gone. They were out to dinner. I remember that. And I kind of pieced the two and two together. They were out to dinner with your parents, which I thought was also very... Very suspect. Yes. Because you Mm -hmm. always figure everything out. Yeah. I'm very hard to surprise. So you went to your dad, your dad went to my dad. And then that night, my dad comes home from this dinner and he sends all the other kids to bed. And then he sets me down at the table. And I remember he said, Jesse would like to court you. 
And I was just, you know, you think that I would have seen all the writing on the wall or whatever, but I just remember at that moment, I was like, what? Hold up. Like so excited about this and kind of overwhelmed. You you, you didn't know when he came home and you said, oh, I know why you're gone. That's usually what you do. No, I actually didn't that (laughs) night. So I think I just didn't want to believe that it was actually going to be happening. But I remember him sitting me down and then that night I couldn't sleep all night and I was so excited. But then it was a weird thing because then we didn't talk and we didn't see each other until church on Sunday after this had gone out. So I think that was yeah. Friday night and there was church on Sunday. I remember that was super awkward to see you because I wasn't sure what I was supposed to say because it was as if everything had changed, but as if nothing had changed. And right. I just remember you had that smirk on your face and I had a, I was just kind of embarrassed. And But then you came over to our family's house that afternoon and then we got to talk more and yeah. You were just getting ready to go to college, uh, Patrick Henry College. Yes, that would have been like a few weeks later, actually, because this started, I think that was what, early June, because the conference mm-hmm. was in end of May. Mm-hmm. And then, so we June had about- four, Wasn't it June 14th? It was June 14th. June 14th. I remember. <laughs> yes. That was actually supposed to be our wedding day, too. Yes. But, but then- Somebody got impatient. We both- Okay. We're getting ahead <laughs> of ourselves. But you- So you went off to college. Yes. In August. Moved out to Virginia. You were supposed to come visit in October. Because it was going to, we were going to be apart. I can't remember how many days. It was the longest time I think that we'd have been apart, obviously. But then we had to add on a bunch of days because 9-11 happened and you were, we, I would have to fly into the, what airport? You were flying into Dulles. And they, that airport was shut down for a oh, while. Yes. And then my dad was afraid of. He was coming with me and my my brother, and he was afraid of us flying, and nobody wanted to fly for a while. But so it was eighty days that we didn't see each other, and I remember very, very, very long eighty days. Yep. But I think we learned a lot from having that long distance relationship and you being gone. You uh, sent me a lot of mail. I sent you a lot of mail. I would hand write you a note or a letter or a four page book. Yeah. Pretty much every single day. And draw on the outside of the envelope. Yes. You were kind of well-known in the mailroom for my crazy antics that I would write (laughs) on the outside of the envelopes. Let's talk about that long-distance relationship because I think a lot of people feel that wouldn't be a good thing, but I think for us, it actually helped us to learn how to communicate well. Yeah. I mean, the only ways we had to communicate were letters and phone and then instant message. That was back when AOL had AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. I think that's what that that stands for. But speaking of which, we had very strict rules. Yes. So that was part of the whole courtship thing. Our parents had rules for, we could write letters and that there was free reign on that. So that's why I wrote so many letters. Well, and I think that the letters were could be inspected too. Yes, most of my letters were read as well. So um, I think my mom read all the letters before I sent them. And so then we could talk on the phone, but we could only talk on the phone on weekends and we had a time limit. Yeah, I think you're right. And then we could instant message. I think it was on Tuesdays and Thursday nights for an hour. Man, you have a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to send the transcript to our dad. Which which account was that? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we figured out, we were kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. And sorry, Dad, if you're listening, we set up a separate account. And so we would send the transcript of our one conversation 
to the dads, but then we had our separate account where we said the things we really wanted to say. It was <laughs> nothing bad. Don't anybody get anything in your, but it was just like, it's a little weird if your yeah. dads are going to be reading everything that you're well, writing. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to learn how to communicate, you need to be able to be free to communicate things. Yes. So we had a lot of rules for everything. And then when you came back, because you were there for a year, am I getting the dates yes. right on yep. that? Two so semesters. You were there for a year and that was really hard. And then when you came back, we had lots of rules for. Right, right. And I transferred back into the school that I had been at before I went uh, out to Virginia. And then that was basically so that we could pursue our relationship further and get married. We ended up getting married in January in between my fall and spring semesters. Yes, but we wanted to get married a lot sooner than that. We were hoping to get yeah. married in June, but so our courtship, I think it ended up, it was about 18 months, right? No, we were supposed to get married in June of after I graduated and when then we moved it up. Oh, well, we wanted to get married oh, the well, June yeah, before. We would have gotten married the June before I went to Patrick Henry. If <laughs> yes, we would have gotten married within a few weeks, even though we were not ready for getting married then. But I remember sitting sitting on the hill with you outside of church and we were trying to write out our budget and trying to figure out how on earth I could come with you to Patrick Henry so that we could get married and we could live there. So that, oh, I don't we remember just, that. Yes, I do. And, and we were a little unrealistic in what we wrote down. And, and there was a reason. <laughs> And probably your dad was like, no, I don't think you're quite ready to get married. But we wanted to get married a lot sooner. But part of it was we, uh, part of courtship was our parents kind of really getting to, I don't know, call the shots, spearhead. I don't know what the word would be right. for that. And the difficult part was them, you know, working together. We got two sets of parents overseeing the whole process and certain people want one thing, others want another you want a third option. And it felt a little bit like six people trying to get married. Yeah, it did. And that what didn't work so well. So they set up a lot of rules for things. We had rules about what we could say, when we could say, I love you. When we could hold hands. Yes, when we could hold hands. How we could hold hands. Yeah. How far apart we had to sit. We got in trouble for sitting on the couch together. So they made a rule that we had to only sit in chairs because we were too close on the couch. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. And we... We did, we did get in trouble for a lot of things, um, holding hands before we were given permission to do so. Which I don't know how anybody knew that we were holding hands. It was under a book. So, so I think we knew we weren't <laughs> supposed to be, but yeah, we were found out. Um, and so that was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge for our courtship and our engagement. But right. at the same time, we look back and we, I think, have a better sense of why our parents did it when at the time it just felt really overbearing yep. and controlling and feeling like they don't trust us. But we look back and I know that our parents would say they've told us they would have chosen to do things differently. And, and the reason they did it was because they loved us and wanted the best for us and wanted to protect us ultimately. Yeah. But they, I mean, so they learn, they learn the hard way mm -hmm. what does and doesn't work. Right. But we were also the first in our families. Yes. And so Every single subsequent relationship after ours has been less restrictive. Yes. So sometimes we give our 
siblings a hard time because they get a lot more privileges than we did. Like we were never even allowed to go anywhere without a parent. We couldn't even, we not, not a sibling chaperone. No, we had to have a parent because we got in trouble that one time we drove home from church and we only had two siblings in the car. It had to be a parent. So that was a little interesting. Our first date that we went on was actually after we got married, but we did go on a quote unquote date before we got married, but that was at that Amish restaurant, remember? Well, not Amish. Well, the was, parents were, or and whoever was at a table nearby. They were so. sitting in a table catty corner to us so yeah. they could almost hear everything we said. So, but that was, that was what we got. So we yeah. took it, but it was really weird to, after we got married to then not have a parent kind of with us at all times. I don't know if it was weird, but I mean. <laughs> it, it, was it was weird for me. It was probably weird that, yeah, I can see where you'd say it was weird. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was good. It almost felt like so much freedom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we we share all this just because it's interesting, but I think I want to say that, like we said, our parents were doing what they felt was the right thing because they loved us, because they wanted to protect us. And we don't fault them because we appreciate the effort that they went to to try to protect us from making bad decisions or getting bad into bad situations. Right. And the setting up of parameters and rules, it was because they loved us and they wanted the best for us. Right. And at, at least at least they were involved. Yes. And we, they should they were interested in our relationship, you know, it's better than having a, a parent that's not wanting to have any involvement at all in any relationship or any say whatsoever just being there. So I appreciate that, and we're grateful for our parents and what they had. I mean, it was a lot of work to have to come with us to all of our different things, especially when we were planning our wedding because we planned our wedding together. Or getting pictures. All the meetings, all the cake places, all the photo places, all the different things. We had to have a parent with us for every single one of those meetings, and there was a lot of meetings. Remember the engagement pictures, you know? They, he said, uh, act like you love each other kind of thing. And <laughs> we were like, um, both parents are here. We can't really put our arm around each other. Yes, we'll get in trouble. Yes, their engagement <laughs> photo, they were trying to get us to put our arm around each other. And we're like, uh, not allowed to do that. So we better come up with something else. But yeah, that was a little bit awkward. But anyway, so all that to say, we're very, although we probably will do it a little bit differently with our children. Um, and Maybe. Our, oh, Maybe we need to talk about this off the podcast. We'll have a conversation. Um, But yeah, so our wedding day was our first kiss, which um, actually didn't happen during the ceremony because I had said that I didn't want to have my first kiss in front of all the people that were sitting out there in the audience who knew that it was going to be my first kiss. And that was really awkward and embarrassing. So I told you that I wasn't going to kiss you, but if you wanted to kiss me, you could. I said, yeah, I'd rather just I, I high five. Getting, I, I just wanted just... a high five. That's, that's simpler. Um, I thought you were just teasing. Yeah. He thought I was just teasing. So then what happened is when he leaned in for the kiss and he expected me to lean in for the kiss as well. And I didn't, I just stood there. So then the kiss like missed. Yes. <laughs> so we have a picture. At least I didn't kiss your nose. Yes. Yes. I mean, at least it didn't make it to my face, but it definitely yeah. was not like a full on <laughs> kiss. So we had to practice that a little bit, but we're pretty good now. Yeah. So which, which is more embarrassing actually having a first kiss or missing it? I don't know. I, I really don't know. The whole thing was kind of embarrassing, but yeah. <laughs> so 
I usually do a Q&A at the end of the podcast and just answer a question myself, but there was a great um, question from Molly talking about how we make our marriage a priority. So I was going to have you speak into this as well, and I thought I would have you share from your perspective this. So her question is, how do you make your marriage a priority with kids and businesses? Just making time for each other and having that be an important part of, of your day, just talking over everything. I mean, people who know us well know that we tell each other everything, that we don't have anything hidden. But our lives are so flexible that we can easily carve time out just to spend time together and talk over plans, business, things happening with the kids. And I think it's making it a priority as with anything in your life. If you choose to make it a priority, you will find the time usually. But if you say, "Mm, it's just not something I'm going to make a priority, then you're not going to find the time for it. And so one of the things that has been helpful this year is me taking Wednesdays off. And so then we've had a lot of dates Mm -hmm. on Wednesdays in the middle of the day when our kids are at school. And that's been really fun because the movie theaters are usually really empty. A lot of restaurants are pretty empty and they're a lot cheaper for lunch. And that's just our time to get to hang out um, Mm -hmm. after I have discipleship group in the morning. So that's been looking forward to that. We don't get to do it every single week, but usually at least twice a month. And so that's been really fun for us to have that time Every month. Like you said, you need to be intentional about it because if you don't put it on the calendar, if you don't plan for it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so even though we're both self-employed, we still all day could be eaten up with other things. And so we have to decide intentionally. A lot of times we'll talk in the beginning of the day or the night before and say, okay, when are we going to have time to talk, to be together the next day and putting it in our schedules and knowing it communicating it together or next week, like this week, we went on um, a movie date and we talked about it a few days before. We both said, okay, Wednesday afternoon, you know, let's make sure, is there a movie? Can we make this happen? And so planning that, and then it also gives the anticipation of looking forward to it. Right. And I think one thing that we also try to do is just flirt, just flirt with each other. And I, my sister always said that she tries to flirt with her husband every single day. And I try to make that my practice too, because it just, it adds life into your marriage. And I think when you've been married for more than a few years, I mean, we've been married for 15 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And see if you get that number right. Yes, I got it right. I <laughs> Don't um, forget this year. I'm going to try not to Don't forget, forget anniversary. our anniversary because I have been known to do that. We have both actually forgotten our anniversary. Yeah, that yes. we, we have a uh, game that we try to outdo each other on either forgetting or remembering. <laughs> See who can remember the anniversary first. But so making it a priority and then also, you know, thinking back to what are those things that you did early on in your marriage or, you know, when you were, if you dated, not courted, you know, mm-hmm. what, what did you do? What were those things? How can you bring some of that back? And it can be really simple things like sending a text to your spouse or, you know, just saying five minutes that you're just going to sit and you're going to hold hands and you're just going to be together and talk over your day. And, you know, if you have kids doing, you know, saying this is, this is mommy and daddy time. And I think prioritizing it and over your kids. And because if you have a strong marriage, that's going to be a gift to your kids. Right. And they need to see that that strong marriage and and they will be secure in that. Yes. But if you just 
let the kids take the priority, you're never probably going to really find the time because you're just going to be too tired and too busy. And so you have to prioritize it and find the time, even if it's just a small little bit every single day, finding those ways to connect. If you, you know, even sending an email to your spouse or sending them a voice message or something like that. If you have schedules that are really different so that you're just connecting and you're putting forth that effort to connect, it's those little things over time that make the big difference. And so it's not, I feel like it's not one big thing every few months, but the little things investing day in, day out, that that is what is the glue that holds your marriage together. Thank you for helping answer the question today. And so for the rest of you, if you have a question on any topic that you'd love for me to answer in a future episode, or you'd love for Jesse and I to answer together, you can email it to crystal at moneysavingmom. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Payne Show. For more information on products and books mentioned in this episode, be sure to visit crystalpain.com. And as always, remember that you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 